Hey guys, we're here for episode 30 of the e-commerce opportunity where I'm joined by Savannah. Hi Savannah, how are you? Hey Chase, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, thank you. For for us today, we're, when we're recording, it's Friday, so it's been a great week. I'm feeling great. Have you had a good week? It's not bad, you know, just grinding away. I think May and June have been a particularly difficult month for digital marketers, so I'm doing as best we can, but overall, it's been a good week. Good to hear. And we were uh, talking kind of before we hit record where we've actually known each other for a long time. We grew up pretty much in the same city. Uh, we were only two years apart in high school. We went to kind of schools that were nearby. Um, and I think this is actually one of the most recent times we're actually kind of reconnecting and chatting. So excited to hear what you've been up to. Same, same. I, I, I was telling Chase before too, like, I feel like I know him so well just because I read his tweets every day, like, and his threads are so valuable and I see all the pictures of his baby and his wife. So I'm like, I feel like we're caught up, um, even though we probably haven't talked in years, but um, it's just funny. That's how social media is nowadays. It's crazy. No, like what I, I was telling you too, but between you and Nick, you guys really gave me FOMO and really inspired me to hop on Twitter. So thank, thank you guys both for crushing it and, and doing such a great job. Um, let's get started with kind of what you're, you're working on. For sure. So for, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Savannah Sanchez. I'm a freelancer who works with a number of e-commerce brands on their Facebook, Snapchat, Google, and TikTok advertising. So I help them with their media buying, and then I also help them with their ad creatives. So I have a small creative team that works with me that develops new creative concepts for my clients on a weekly basis. Um, and my business is called The Social Savannah. I love it. So where I want to start with is a lot of people listening to this are either working at agencies or they're kind of starting freelance or they're working at brands, right? And they have like this idea and this kind of this goal of going out on their own. So I want to ask you about your journey because I think your journey is kind of similar to mine and some others. You, know, you were working kind of in-house somewhere, um, getting really great experience, really learning the ropes. And then eventually, you know, you kind of went out on your own. You know, what were the things that you kind of thought about on the pros and cons side or what, what was your kind of thought process around Hey, I've got a job, I've got kind of consistent income, but I really have aspirations to go out on my own. Like what gave you the confidence to finally say, I'm, I'm doing this and there's no looking back? Absolutely. So I've always had like the entrepreneurial dream. Um, and when I went, I went to school, I got my MBA in marketing and I took a lot of classes in entrepreneurship. So it was always in the back of my mind that I would love to start my own business. My dad had his own business. So that was always the end goal. But of course, starting your own business, like straight out, like I went to college, got my MBA right away. Of course, starting your own business right after you graduate is extremely difficult. And I knew I needed more experience, like real world experience. So through my professor, I actually got a job at an e-commerce marketing agency, um, one of the largest e-commerce marketing agencies that does Facebook ads, Google ads, all the stuff that I do now for e-commerce brands. And I started there as a media buyer because my background was in marketing analytics. I loved just diving through the data, understanding trends with media buying. So I'm, I'm kind of a nerd in that way. So I started there as a media buyer, ended up working my way up to be one of their top media buyers in just six months. I was working on some of the largest accounts like ColourPop. And in just six months, they promoted me to be the manager of all the media buyers. They were like, we don't know what you're doing or how you do it, but you're getting clients really great returns and you need to teach all of our media buyers your process and your account structure and hire people to be just like you. So I was like, okay, cool. So I did that for another year and a half of just leading the Facebook media buying teams, 
implementing all the processes. I also started the Snapchat media buying department at this agency and taught the Snapchat media buyers. So that was a ton of fun. I think anyone who goes from being like a practitioner, like really like in like, like in the weeds of the data and then going up to a more managerial role is a very rough transition for some people. And for me, while I really enjoyed like hiring people, firing people, not so much that, um, but it was a lot more of like people management and less of me doing what I actually loved, which was just like diving through ad accounts and working with clients directly on the strategy. That's what I started doing. But I realized that my path at the agency or really at any company, it's like you start out as like a practitioner and then you become a manager or a director, but you get further and further away from the actual work. So what I decided to do, I was like, well, I knew in the back of my mind, I always wanted to have my own business and go off on my own and be a freelancer. I loved being in the ad accounts, talking to clients, working on the creatives. So I ended up just kind of moonlighting and taking on a couple of clients on on the side. So I would work like before work, I would take, I had like one or two clients that I started out with. I would take a client call like before work. I would take a client call after work. So it was such a grind. And I started with my first freelancing client. It was like June of 2019. And the reason I was able to even start getting clients is because of Twitter. So Chase and I both know the power of Twitter. Um, What's funny is that my boss at the agency was really into Twitter and he encouraged me one day. He was like, Hey, like you should get on Twitter. Like there's a ton of really smart people in e-commerce and brands that are talking about trends and what's happening. Like you should share some of your like learnings on Twitter. Cause I was always like teaching people at the agency, my processes. So I ended up just, I think I created a Twitter account in like March of 2019 And just sharing what I thought was common knowledge, like my account structures, some of my creative best practices. Um, And I really quickly got a a pretty big following. I think I got like 5,000 followers in my first few months, um, which was really crazy to me. I think it just speaks to the power of like the marketing community on Twitter, that if you are putting out good content, people will reshare it, people interact with it, and it can really go viral super quickly. So I really invested a lot of time in building up my personal brand, making sure that I was putting out like videos, threads on Twitter, um, just to get my name out there and and just talking about all the work that I was doing with my clients at the agency. And so that's how I ended up getting one of my first freelancing clients with someone DMing me on Twitter saying, Hey, like, do you freelance? Like, we'd love for you to look at our account. So started there. And then a couple months later, got another DM. Hey, like (laughs) you clearly know what you're talking about. We'd love to work with you. And it got to a point where I was, it was like six months later, I was working on three clients on the side, still working full-time as a manager at the agency. And it came to a point where I was like, okay, I I really need to make a decision. And I already knew what the decision was going to be. Like I, I really want to go out on my own. It's just really scary to give up you know, a steady salary with when you have three clients, if one of them quits or two, or even, I mean, of course, three of them quits, that's your entire income gone. But I really felt like these clients were solid. I was doing a great job for them. I was working on three. I had a fourth one that was interested in working with me. And so I felt comfortable. I was like, okay, even though I know I'm going to take a downgrade and pay in the short term, I know that this will ladder up to my dreams in the long run of working for myself, working at home. It was my dream to work at home even before COVID. 
Um, so <laughs> I, I was ahead of the curve on the work from home trend was really into that. Um, and just wanted to get back with working with clients and less with like working as a manager at the agency. So, um, ended up just making sense that in December of 2019, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just work on my own clients and go from there. And keep building my personal brand. I think that was like one of the main things when I first quit and started working for myself. I spent about half of my day working on all the client work and like sales calls and stuff. But the other half was all brand building, like getting my name out there, coming up with tweets, interacting with people on LinkedIn, posting new YouTube videos, writing new blogs. Like I think that people um, underestimate the amount of time it takes to actually build a personal brand properly and get content out there. Because as a freelancer, getting getting leads is the hardest part, especially for me when you first start out. I knew I could do really great Facebook ad buying and the actual work itself. I knew I can crush it. I just needed to get people to trust me and get them in the door. And so that's what Twitter allowed me to do is just get in front of a lot of really great brands, kind of prove myself by putting out really great free content and then having them hit me up directly in the DMs. So yeah, that that is my journey. It's been almost two years of doing this now. So I'm like, when was December of 2019? Um, <laughs> this last two years has been such a blur. But now I'm working with a lot of really large brands, really leaning into new platforms like TikTok. Um, I don't see myself stopping on this freelance journey anytime soon. But um, I'm at a really great point where now I'm just turning away leads. And I'm like, I get to be really selective about the brands I work with. And that's just been the the biggest blessing of all. Wow. It, it, incredible. There's so much nuggets and so much gold info there. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. A um, couple questions like on the personal brand side, and then I want to talk about you know TikTok, Snapchat, whatever you want to go into. Um, on the personal brand side, are you still spending about half your day on content creation? Or are you spending you know more or less now kind of you know two years later? You know, it's it's getting more and more difficult as my business gets bigger um, in terms of just, I just have a lot of clients I'm working with now and I always have to put the client work first and then like the making like videos and content second. I'm at a place where I do feel like I have like a good, a good amount of clients. I'm not, I'm, it's like the weirdest thing. I'm, I'm not actually looking on, looking to take on new clients. Like I've just emailed people back. I'm like, sorry, I'm full. I'm a freelancer. I'm not an agency. I can't, I can't just like, keep onboarding clients and hiring people. So it's kind of a sad moment where now I'm just turning people away. Um, but, and that's why I feel less inclined to spend so much time building my personal brand and posting videos. Cause I'm like, well, like what's this all leading to? Like, it'll be great. Yes. It's great to get leads. Cause you never know when a client's going to quit and, and you want to be able to fill up your roster. But at this point I'm like, I don't want any more leads. <laughs> And so now I'm actually referring a lot of business away. I work with a lot of other agencies and freelancers where I will just send them leads and be like, Hey, like I, I can't work with you. I'm sorry, but, um, but this person would be great. So that that's really what I'm doing now is a lot of referrals out for the clients that I can't take on. That's such a cool thing. I mean, it's a great feeling personally, right? That a lot of people want to work with you. It's also a really great thing to be able to give other uh, freelancers, other agencies, other folks really cool opportunities. So I think that's super cool. Um, you've probably already thought about this. One of the things that we do on the email side is because we're booked right now until right about September. So we're, we're in the middle of June. We're about two and a half, three months out. What we've been doing is been telling folks, hey, look, we'd love to work with you. However, right now is not the right fit. 
Um, if you want to join our waitlist, let us know. Um, and a lot mm. of brands say yes, and a lot of brands say no, right? And the brands that say no, then they have a more immediate need. So it's not for everyone. But there are certain brands that have kind of been surprised, like they're willing to wait two or three months because they're doing well enough right now and they're really kind of focused on the right fit. So if you haven't wow. done the wait list for some of the ones that you really want that you don't want to refer out, it could be something that you could try. I will definitely try that. That's a really good tip. Thank you, Chase. Of course. And then the other thing I want to talk about on the personal brand side, I see you everywhere on every single panel and every single speaker list for all of these events. And I know I asked you, I think this past week to speak at the one in Q4 that I'm I hosting. I can't wait. So, yes. so, it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. But how do you prioritize those too, right? Because that's obviously under content creation and those take a lot of time, right? You have to build the decks and then you have to speak and then you have to answer questions after. Um, mm. How many of those are you doing like a month or a quarter? And how do you allocate the time to do that? I would say I do like one one or two every month, um, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Of course, this last year and a half, there hasn't been as many in-person events where before I was doing a lot of like in-person conferences, which I really loved. I would say the reason why I, I do so many of them is because it's it's just a pure like passion of mine. I really do love like helping and teaching other people and sharing my methodology. Like I, I, I'm one of those weird people who loves public speaking <laughs> and I love being in front of the camera. So I think it's, it's more of like a, I see it more as like a hobby and for fun. So at any chance where I can like record a video or be on a panel, um, or do a virtual conference, like I'm like, yes, please sign me up. Um, just because I, I get a lot of joy out of it. So, um, but yeah, it is hard to balance, especially as a freelancer, like that work-life balance can get really difficult when you're working with a lot of clients and you're trying to do fun stuff like building a personal brand and getting content out there. Um, so I think it, you, I would say like my biggest tip is just really prioritize like time management, delegation where you can and having like really great processes that you stick to for every client. Um, I think that's how I've been able to keep a lot of my sanity and actually have a lot of work-life balance is just by having really strict processes that I go through with every single client and I don't deviate from those. I love that. That's great. All right. Well, now let's talk about some of the stuff that you you love talking about. Um, what's a platform that you're just obsessed right now with that you're working on with clients? Is it TikTok? Is it Snapchat? Is it Nextdoor? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Pinterest? Like, What's the platform that you're spending the most time on and or you're the most bullish on? Absolutely. So 100% on TikTok. I've been working with TikTok ads since April of 2020. And I am seeing like much more efficient cost per purchases, click-through rate, CPMs, especially right now when Facebook is just such a mess. And with all these iOS 14, TikTok's kind of been our saving grace. We're transferring a lot of our budget from Facebook to TikTok. And I would say with TikTok, it's just incredibly important to have the right content for that platform. On a weekly basis, we're making new TikToks for our client each week, like me and my content creator girls. Because if you don't have like that TikTok style content, then the platform isn't worth testing out. So, and the creatives also burn out really quickly. So, if you're willing to invest a lot in like the TikTok creatives and working with a lot of creators, I think it's a platform that all brands should be testing. Um, I would say that the ones that haven't seen success on TikTok are the ones that just are taking their Facebook ads, throwing it on TikTok, see how it does. That's not going to work. You have to actually make TikToks. But I, I'm obsessed with like the video creating side. Like I love editing. I love adding transitions. 
So I edit a lot of my TikTok ads and me and my girls, we film a ton of like user generated content for TikTok. So I'm personally just having so much fun with it. I wouldn't mind if six months from now, all of my clients were TikTok clients and I wasn't working or I was just like barely working on Facebook because that's how much I really see um, TikTok as like a big player in this industry. And I'm working with a lot of the bigger senders on TikTok, which is fun. Like um, Blendjet, Thrive Market was my client, Our Place, um, just to name a few, Sugar Bear Hair. So it's been really fun to work with like these large budgets on TikTok. So we can see like really quickly like what's working, what bidding strategies, what creatives. And um, so yeah, learning a lot. And I would highly, highly recommend any brand that's thinking about TikTok to absolutely test it, especially while competition is still pretty low on that platform. Yeah, that's awesome. And not to make myself sound like a grandpa, I obviously know TikTok. I've obviously used it, <laughs> but I've, I've never, I've never ran ads on it. I don't spend too much time on it. Like what, what's like the key demo that you're finding on TikTok? And, you know, is it males? Is it females? Like what are some of the age ranges and what are some of like the categories of brands that are having a lot of success there? Like, is it pretty universal or is it category A, B and C that are just crushing it? I would say for my clients, we focus a lot on females 16 to 30. That's like our, our main target demo that we're going after. Part of that is also because me, I'm, I'm 25 and like the girls that I work with to make content are all in their twenties. So if the product is targeting like girls in their twenties, then we crush it for the content side. So like sugar bear hair, for instance, like they can technically appeal to all females, but especially on TikTok, it does skew younger. So that 16 to 30 year old age range is really where we're focusing a lot of our budget and the content around like getting models like in that same age group and demo. Yeah, it makes sense. Thank you. And then in terms of like, I don't know, again, I'm not a media buyer, so maybe this isn't the right question, but in terms of like the AOVs that you're seeing on TikTok, like, is there a certain kind of price range that you're trying to play in? Like, are you trying to get products that are 20 to 60? You know, are people buying things over a hundred? Is that too expensive? Like, do you have any sense of like the average kind of price points that sell decently or quickly through um, TikTok? Absolutely. So I would say by far like 20 to $60 is the sweet spot. TikTok is very impulse buy purchases. Like people saying like, oh, this is, this top is super cute. Or I love this phone case. Like it's a lot of impulse buys. And I, I would say it, it's a lot more difficult if, if it's a purchase that takes more consideration because when people are on TikTok and they're flipping through these videos, they're there to be entertained and they want to watch content. It does take it takes a good offer and a good ad to get them to go away from their experience of swiping the videos on TikTok and actually purchase something. So that's why when it's like an impulse buy of like, oh, I could just quickly buy a phone case or a new top or hair products, that makes it a lot easier than trying to be like, okay, like, do you really need like a $2,000 couch? Um, and especially the demographic skewing so much younger. Um, I think that 20 to 50 is really where they're comfortable spending like on any given online purchase. Awesome. And then last dumb question on TikTok. And I have a few other questions. <laughs> no, no, no dumb questions at all. These are great. Cool. I appreciate it. Um, I, I guess like on, on TikTok in terms of like, you know, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like when brands are on TikTok and they're spending you know money there after people make like, that first purchase, like, is there a lot of engagement like that organically that happens or like, can you use pay, paid kind of as this boost and eventually over time, like the organic following is so big that you don't need to spend as much or do you always kind of have to be spending paid traffic on TikTok 
um, just like you do on Facebook. Organic traffic on TikTok is unmatched right now from any social platform. So I would say right now, especially like it's always like if only you started six months ago. <laughs> so I'm like six months ago, um, you even got more reach on TikTok. I mean, people are figuring out the secret that this is a great platform. So act now. There still is organic reach. Like this is like how Facebook was like eight years ago. Um, and as you know, there is no organic reach on, on Facebook or Instagram anymore. So what we're doing is we are investing a lot in the organic side. So posting new videos every day to our clients' um, organic profiles. But then what's also cool is that you can boost an organic post. So if a brand posts a TikTok on their organic profile, but they want to get more viewership in the For You page, you can actually put like a $1,000 budget or any budget behind any given post to get it to go viral. So you can essentially pay for virality. And that could be a great strategy if you're just starting out with TikTok, because then you're going to build up your followers, your likes, your views, so that eventually if you have enough followers and um, engagement, you won't need to put as much budget behind every post. And especially as you, as you keep creating new content, hopefully your content gets better and better as you learn what works for your platform and your audience. So it's a coupled strategy. We're focusing a lot on the organic side, but we also are putting ad spend behind these organic posts to give it that extra reach. Awesome. And then actually one more question in terms of like the, uh, the paid side of TikTok or even the organic side, um, is there a certain like length of video or a certain length of clip that like is recommended? And is there like a maximum length of clip, like on the paid side that you can do? I think like on Twitter in general, I think it's like two minutes is like the max mm. a video can be. Um, what does that look like on TikTok? On TikTok, we like to keep it anywhere from 15 seconds to a minute. I would say very, very rarely we actually go up to a minute. We really keep it between 15 and 30 seconds. Um, people on TikTok usually decide if they're going to watch the video before they even see the first second. They literally determine it by the thumbnail if they're going to keep swiping. So we focus a lot of our attention on what is that first frame? What is our thumbnail? And is it engaging enough to have people watch for the next couple seconds. Like every second we have to earn in terms of people watching the next second. So it it's very short form. People are very used to 15 second videos on TikTok. That's like one of the most popular video links is 15 seconds. So you have to make your message quick, snappy, but most importantly, make that first second the most engaging part of your ad to make sure that they're not just going to swipe away immediately. Love it. And the last question of this entire thing, and I really appreciate you you being here, all the knowledge. I think I saw you on one of the platforms, probably Twitter. Um, did you mention that Instagram Reels now has the ability to run ads? Is that something I think I saw from you? Yes. So right before we hopped on this podcast, I was launching all my Instagram Reels ads. So this is such a huge moment, especially for Facebook advertisers because we've been waiting for some good news for a few months now, ever since iOS 14. And I feel like this is the best news yet, um, especially since me and my team, we create so much TikTok content that we are literally just going to repurpose it all for Reels ads since Reels is essentially Facebook's knockoff of TikTok. So I just launched my first ones. They're still in review, but um, don't you worry because I will be tweeting along the way of, of how they go. Um, so yeah, I think that's just like a, a big tip to any digital marketer is being first is really important, especially with like new product launches, new platforms. So being first to test Instagram reels, like 
there's obviously not a lot of advertisers that are fighting for the TikTok Reels um, ad space right now. So this could be a moment where you can get really cheap CPMs and really great ROAS. So always try to stay on, on the forefront of the trends. And again, another advertisement for Twitter. If, if you're on Twitter and you're following um, Chase and all other great marketers, you're going to be on the latest and greatest of what's going on on all these platforms. So um, definitely would recommend being active on Twitter with this marketing community if you aren't already. Savannah, you are so amazing. What's the best way for people to follow along your journey? What's the best way for someone to get updates on everything that you're going to be posting on the Instagram real side? Where can people learn more, follow you? Um, what, what are your best links? Thank you so much, Chase. My, um, my website is thesocialsavannah.com. And on there, you can contact me on my email there. And I have my services and my ad portfolio if you want to check it out. If you want to get some knowledge, if you can follow me on Twitter, it's social underscore Savannah. And then I also post somewhat frequently on YouTube. I, I took a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm ready to come back with a bang. So maybe Instagram uh, reels ads will be my first topic when I come back. So uh, my, my channel is... I think it's just my first and last name, Savannah Sanchez. If, so if you type in like Savannah Sanchez, Facebook ad, I'm sure I'll pop up. Savannah, you are so amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I'll drop your links below. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Chase. You are awesome. And I'm so glad we were able to, to do this. This has been so Likewise. great. Likewise. Bye. Bye.